Hi everyone and welcome to East Redland Anglican for this sixth Sunday of Easter or the 22nd of May 2022. Today our Gospel reading is from the Gospel of John chapter 14 verses 23 to 29 and in that reading today we hear many things but one of the things that we talk about is Jesus leaving his peace with the disciples. So in today's sermon I want to explore what that peace might be how that fits into our weekly worship life and what that means for us as we leave the church each week and go into the world. So sit back and grab a coffee or a tea and enjoy today's sermon. The Lord be with you. And also with you. The Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to John, chapter 14, beginning at verse 23. Glory, Glory to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus answered him, Those who love me will keep my word, and my Father will love them. And we will come to them and make our home with them. Whoever does not love me does not keep my words, and the word that you hear is not mine, but is from the Father who sent me. I have said these things to you while I am still with you. But the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you everything and remind you of all that I have said to you. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled, and do not let, you, let them be afraid. You heard me say to you, I am going away, and I am coming to you. If you loved me, you would rejoice that I am going to the Father, because the Father is greater than I. And now I have told you this before it occurs, so that when it does occur, you may believe. This is the Gospel of the Lord. Praise, Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Would you please be seated? This morning I want to start with an example from uh, Bishop Tom Wright. He's the for one of the former bishops of Durham. Um, and... Uh, a very prolific New Testament scholar. It may seem a little out of left field, but that shouldn't be too surprising with my sermons by now. So he says, a friend of mine a few years after being ordained was sent to work in a, in a suburb where for a long time vice had reigned unchecked. The police knew what was, go go the police knew what was going on, but the, pol the, the policy was one of containment rather than open confrontation. Drugs, sex and stolen goods were readily available. And my friend, perhaps with cheerful naivety and perhaps with a strong sense of God's call, began to preach the gospel in a way that that particular church hadn't experienced for many years. His preaching had impact. People on the street took notice. Some came to faith and began to pray for the neighbourhood. More and more people came to believe the gospel. Addicts and prostitutes started to drop into the church. People would pray with them and try to help them out of their damaging and dehumanising lifestyles. Now that said, I want to try and hold that example in tension with the words we say every week and should be extremely familiar with. 
peace be with you. How do these things tie together? Now, you might be thinking, well, duh, of course they go together, that's what we do. But I don't think our response should be so hasty or so flippant. And I say this because of the words Jesus himself uses in today's gospel. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. And here's the kicker. I do not give to you as the world gives. So this is something more, this is something bigger, something beyond the platitudes and the brittleness of what the world considers to be peace. So keeping that in mind and to get some perspective on where I'm going with this, let's consider the Eucharist itself because we're in one right now. Many, I think, in the modern church would be unfamiliar with the concepts of the kiss of peace. It's a term that we don't often use today. But while the language has changed, the kiss of peace still exists and it exists in three critical points in the service. The first is that at the Eucharist begins with the priest kissing the altar. Now, I don't often do it at the beginning, but you will always see me doing it at the end. Before I come around from the altar to acknowledge and then to, to uh, leave the church, you'll notice I kiss the altar. And it's for the same reason. And the reason the altar is kissed is because the altar is a place of encounter. We've come together as the people of God in order that we might meet and encounter Jesus. And on the altar, in the breaking of the bread and in the sharing of the wine, we encounter our Lord. The next one is after the priest or deacon um, have proclaimed the word of God in the gospel. Now, I haven't done this for a long time and you see some clergy do it, but at that point, after the gospel has been proclaimed, the, uh, the deacon or the priest will often kiss the gospel. The kiss is offered again to signify that the word of God is a place of encounter with our Lord. Finally, and this one impacts us most from week to week, and I'm sure you can see where I'm going with this. We recognise that each of we re, we recognise that each of our neighbours, that is the people gathered here and beyond, are also powerful signifiers of encounter with our Lord, and we kiss each other with a sign of peace. Not that we, in most respects, actually kiss each other, and in this mad COVID world, I hope that's what we're not doing. But the practice now is to shake hands or whatever. If, uh, if you go to Japan, for argument's sake, they won't kiss, they won't shake hands, but they will bow to each other in acknowledgement of peace. But it is nonetheless, whatever we do, it's nonetheless a powerful point of encounter. And that being said, one wonders why church services all over the place seem to go into some sort of intermission mode as we have a bit of a catch-up and a bit of a stretch at the peace. Um, notwithstanding that reality, this is a place of profound encounter because we are greeting each other and celebrating the encounter with Jesus who comes from our be us being the body of Christ. That is to say, when we share the peace with each other, we are actually encountering the Lord in the face of the other. 
Now, the significant term in all of this is place of encounter. These are symbols of the community encountering the risen Lord. Now, think about that for a moment. And then consider the following passages which involve the, the statement, peace be with you. So if we have a look at John 20, 19 to 21. When it was evening on that day, the first day of the week, and the doors of the house where the disciples had met were locked for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples rejoiced when they saw the Lord. And Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. Then we have John 20, verse 26. A week later, his disciples were again in the house, and Thomas was with them. Although the doors were shut, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. We have in Luke 24, 36 to 39. While they were talking about this, Jesus himself stood among them and said to them, Peace be with you. They were startled and terrified and thought that they were seeing a ghost. And he said to them, why are you frightened? And why do doubts arise in your hearts? Look at my hands and my feet. See that it is myself. Now, the thing that we notice about these and similar passages is that at the point where Jesus says, peace be with you, we can almost hear the penny drop as they realise that they've just encountered the risen Lord. Now we note it's a statement underlying a point of encounter. But it doesn't stop there. In all of these instances, the encounter is then followed by ascending out into the world for mission. Even our gospel today, there's a hint of mission coming. The Holy Spirit is coming and if we look at the structure of our entire Easter journey, we see the focus shift about mid-Easter. We've gone from disciples and this sort of insular sort of thing and then we keep building and building and building and then suddenly there's a shift made in the middle of Easter where our readings start to direct us into the world and they start to, bring, start to come in with this idea that the Holy Spirit is coming. So there's this sense here of being sent into the world for mission as well. And that's what we see in our reading from Acts as well. Here we have Paul and his entourage heading off to Macedonia after Paul's vision. The interesting thing here, apart from the long and protracted journey, is that it says, on the Sabbath day, we went, aside, we went outside the gate by the river where we supposed there was a place of prayer. And we sat down and spoke to the women who had gathered there. A certain woman named Lydia, a, wor a worshipper of God, was listening to us. She was from the city of Thyatira and a dealer in purple cloth. The Lord opened her heart to listen eagerly to what was said by Paul when she and her household were baptised. It's interesting in our context today because here we have Paul going to a place of prayer, possibly a synagogue. There's some evidence to suggest that within the diaspora, Jews built synagogues and structures like that near water. And he meets a worshipper of God. 
Now, the language here implies that she's not a Jew, but more of a Gentile convert, uh, info underlined by the fact that she's from Thyatira, which is a place known in the Gentile world for its purple dye. And yet, while a a Gentile convert, God, through this moment of encounter between Paul and Lydia, opened her heart to Paul's message and she was baptised. Here's a moment where Paul, through his incarnational mission, has provided a place of encounter, a place where the peace of God enters the moment and moves people to become a part of the body of Christ. So how does all of this tie together? Firstly, I think if we consider the idea that the peace we talk about here, the great shalom of the Jewish tradition, is different to what the world knows as peace, something which in reality is grounded in a cessation of hostile behaviour and tolerance. Neither of those things are bad, but they don't represent the kind of love and peace that we're talking about in our gospel today. But secondly, it ties together because we are places of encounter where the peace of the Lord is active. And because of that, we're sent out in the peace of Christ, having shared that same peace with each other, with the word of God and with the breaking of bread. In that knowledge, we say something very profound when we share the peace. We say, so very soon we'll be doing it, but we say more than g'day or haven't seen you for a while, it'd be good to catch up for a coffee. In saying, peace be with you, we say to each other, I see the face of the Lord in you and the mission that you are called to. In a sense, we along with our Lord send each other out to embody, that very same, to, to embody that very same place of encounter with the people that we meet in our everyday lives and our Lord shares with us here and now. So the significance of this is that God so loves us that we can find him in each other. We can share his love with each other and know him every time we come together or simply greet each other with a word of peace. And when we look at the world like this, we understand why the congregation in our example had so much success. Because they became that place of encounter to the lost, the lonely and the hurting in the world. So I dare you, I dare you to say peace to each other today, to look into the eyes of the other and see our Lord and know that we say, when we say peace, the love of God is with us. Peace be with you. That brings our podcast to an end for this week. If there's anything more you'd like to know about the parish, you can always check us out at our website, which is www.eastredlandanglican.com.au. You'll be able to find lots of links there to our Facebook page, to our Vimeo and YouTube channels, and to our Apple Podcast channel. 
You'll be able to go through the website there and find out any other information you want to know about our service times or baptisms and confirmations and things like that. Um, so check us out there, um, have a look, and if there's anything you need, please don't hesitate to send us an email or give us a call. Um, and we look forward to seeing you again next week. God bless.